by God's intention uh, to be someone who was special and purposed, right? And his purpose, remember, was to be that beginning point in which God would work to uh, deliver God's people from the oppression of the Philistines. That was his purpose. And we saw last week how that purpose kept getting interrupted by his weaknesses. So today we take another step with Samson, and uh, I think we'll discover today uh, basically the core, the core of what continued to lead him over and over again into these uh, weaknesses. Uh, now as we discover the core, we need to equally discover uh, the core of where his purpose and his strength came from, right? To remind ourselves that he was chosen by God, he lived under vows, and that he was there for that special purpose to, to deliver God's people, right, from their oppression. And if you go into the Samson story, it's in the book of Judges, 14, 15, 16, so hopefully you're there already. Uh, but if you go into those experiences and you look at every time that Samson does something that is fulfilling that purpose for which he was born, God is equally doing something, right? Every single time. So we get here. Uh, when Samson defeats these thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, right? Before the instance takes place, his success, it says in verse 14, as Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. So he's bound, remember, and delivered to the Philistines. And they think, yo, we got it. We're in charge. We got Samson, right? And he, they shout in triumph. But then look what happens. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. What happened? Yeah, the Spirit of the Lord intervened powerfully in Samson's life. If you look at Samson's experience, every time that he is in his sweet spot, every time that he's living in God's will, every time that he is living in that perfect place for which God positioned him from the time of his birth, we see the experience where the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is resting on Samson. And every time that spirit rests on Samson, he does incredible stuff. Amazing stuff, like this one here, right? So the spirit rests on him, and he snapped the ropes of his arms as if they were like burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey, and he picked it up, and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. So the guy kills a thousand Philistines using... Uh, the jawbone of a donkey. This is probably not your number one selected weapon that you would choose to kill a thousand Philistines, right? I mean, if you had the uh, James Bond drawer of selected weapons and you could pick anything that you want and there was a jawbone of a donkey there, this is probably not the one you would select. And yet, that's precisely what Samson ends up using. Why? Why the jawbone of a donkey? Well, not only because it was lying there, but because it also makes it obvious who is winning the victory, right? It makes it absolutely obvious who is winning this victory, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Samson, and because the Spirit of the Lord is upon Samson, he can even do this amazing thing with just the jawbone of a donkey. This is what happens. When you get in that sweet spot, when you get in that place where you are serving God for the purpose in which he called you and created you. Now here's the problem. The problem for Samson, and often for us, 
is that we get off track in that understanding. So look what happens next to Samson. Samson gets captured by his emotions in the moments and by his self-pride. After the experience is done, it says, Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them up in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Now, I tried to help you out there to not miss the focus of where Samson's thoughts are. And who is he thinking about? It would be I've, right? Me, myself, I, right? Samson, after this huge experience where it's obvious that this is a victory that God accomplished through him, nevertheless, when it's over, Samson gets captured by his own emotions of self-pride and says, Hey, I did it, man. I peeled him up. You know, I piled him up by the heaps. I killed a thousand men, right? He gets captured by his self-emotions and in the experience of that moment says, Whoa, am I awesome? You see, his emotions now have captured him and he's forgotten the very strength which allowed him to do this amazing thing. The Bible does not want you to miss this. It's not only in Samson's words, but look at verse 17, how verse 17 starts. It says, when Samson finished his boasting, see, the Bible does not want you to miss the error of Samson's emotional thinking. Not only does he say it, but the Bible points it out and says, listen, this guy is so full of himself. He's so full of himself. This is his mistake. This is his error. This is the risk that Samson gets captured by his emotions. He gets captured by this self-pride. And he begins to think life is all about him. Life's all about him. He gets captured and he begins to convince himself, life's all about me and man, I am pretty dang wonderful. You see what he's doing? You see, whenever you get captured like that, when you listen to your emotions, when you listen to the overwhelming emotion of self-pride, you are going to lead yourself into the deception that will lead you ultimately to destruction. Now, we looked at this text last week, John 15, and I pointed out last week at the end there that if this is true, the opposite is true, right? But this week I'm taking you back there because I don't want you to miss the simple truth of what the verse itself says, right? The verse is Jesus speaking. He says, yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, they'll produce much fruit. So if you stay in him, what's going to happen? Your life's going to be awesome good. Much fruit. But look at the last line. For apart from me, you can do what? Nada. What's this mean? Well, if you think life is all about you, if you're captured by the emotions of how incredibly wonderful you are, if you think every day is just about serving you, your life will amount to nothing. In the scheme of things, your life will amount to nothing. Because apart from Christ, apart from Him being in the focus, apart from Him being in the saddle, apart from Him giving guidance to our life, 
apart from our living for the purpose for which He called us and died so we can live there, our lives, if they're only about us, will be about nothing. You with me? Sitting there pretty wide-eyed today, people. Are you still awake out there? Samson's life is all about him. And every time he listens to his own emotions of his own self-interest, of his own pride and his own cravings, he puts himself in positions of destruction. And we see it again in his life. And he falls into that place that's captured by that phrase that's very popular in our culture today as well. And the, and the justification phrase for everything we do is, but it makes me happy. Whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, it's got to be good because it makes me happy. As if life is all about me. What did Samson do? One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and he spent the night with a prostitute. Why would he do that? Now, there's two things in there. Look what's happening to Samson. First of all, it says he goes where? He goes to Gaza. Now, you remember last week I showed you this map, right? And we acknowledged that Samson was from here, right? This is where he started out last week. And he only went a little ways in to Timnah. Just a little ways in to Timnah, and he got into trouble, right? Married the Philistine woman. She betrayed him. We'll talk about that more. He got into trouble in Timnah, right? Now look where he goes. This is, this is, you know, on the edge of the ledge of being with God's people. Now he goes all the way down here to Gaza. What's he doing? Do you see that he is putting himself even further in the position of temptation and destruction. He's putting himself even further into that arena of the Philistines. He's putting himself in that position where his self-arrogance convinces himself that he can go down there and everything's going to be just fine. And when he's down there in Gaza, what does he do? The text says, one day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and he spent the night with a... You can say the word in church. It's okay. Prostitute, thank you. Yes, exactly. Now, wait a minute. Help me out here. Do you remember that Samson was born under three vows? And one of those vows is that he was not supposed to eat or participate in anything that is unclean. But it made me happy. Right? Samson is engaging in his self-arrogance, driven by his own emotions, driven by his own cra cravings, putting himself in a greater position of destruction, surrounded by the enemy. And in the midst of it all, he ventures into uncleanness once again. And why? Because it made him happy? This is not so far away from the where our world is. This is not so far away from where some of you in the room are living today. That you know that God has a desire for your life and a call on your life, and you know what his word has to say, and that yet you're living in a position that is contrary to that word because you've convinced yourself it's okay because, after all, 
it makes you happy. So even though you're in a covenant of marriage, there's this person at work that you really enjoy being with, and after all, you know you're kind of flirting, and you know you're kind of crossing boundaries, but nevertheless, after all, it makes me happy. <laughs> or, you, you know, God's Word says you ought to honor Him first, and you ought to bring 10% into the house of the Lord, but you say, what? well, you know, just can't quite do that right now because there's other things we need in our life, and after all, those things are important to us, and they, they well, they make us happy. See, we do that. We buy into the enemy camp, and we convince ourselves that it's okay to do things that are contrary to God's will and desire that we know will put ourselves in positions of destruction, and yet we convince ourselves it's okay because, after all, how can it not be okay? It makes me what? Samson put himself in that position of destruction. And notice, don't miss this. Notice at the end of the text that says in verse 2, word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of the morning comes, we will kill him. Is he putting himself in a position of destruction? Absolutely, right? Absolutely. It's only by the grace of God that Samson is able to escape and be able to uh, continue in trying to achieve that mission for which, God, for which God selected him. And the text finishes out the story saying, But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. So Samson outfoxes him. He gets up early. He rips up the gates, and he carries them all the way to, to uh, Hebron. Just to show you where that is, here is Gaza, right? That's Hebron. That's one heck of a haul, huh? Carrying them gates? It, I mean, that's more than a mutter, people. Right? That's one heck of a haul, carrying those gates, right? I mean, the amazing thing. The amazing thing is even though Samson is doing everything that listens to his emotions and makes him happy, even though he's living outside the sweet spot, God keeps rescuing him. God keeps rescuing him. And so once again, God rescues him. The problem for Samson? Samson keeps listening to his emotions and to his own cravings and his own desires. So... Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. And you hear that and you say, Samson, what are you thinking, man? What are you doing? Come on now. Again, you're going to fall in love with a foreign woman? What are you thinking? Now, I got to tell you, there was one of our people at 8 o'clock that caught me after the service and said, Pastor, you, you got to be clear about this because... Samson's not thinking with his head. He's thinking with another part of his anatomy. Okay? You agree? He's not thinking with his head. He's thinking with his emotions. He's thinking with something else. And when you do that, you're going to put yourself again and again and again in positions of destruction. So once again, Samson falls in love with a foreign woman. And now he goes 
down here in Gaza. He goes out here to Hebron. This is home base. He goes out here now, and he puts himself in that position with the Philistines again. Don't you want to sit down with Samson? Can you imagine what Samson's mother is saying at this point? Can't you imagine Samson's mother sitting there saying, Samson, son, can't you just find a good Jewish girl? Right? I mean, Samson, what are you thinking with here, people? Right? And so Samson puts himself in that position of destruction again. And he should have learned this lesson because in his first marriage, remember, he falls in love with a Philistine woman and she betrays him. Here's the way it went in that experience. It says on the first day, Samson's wife, they, they, uh, they came to him to solve the riddle. Remember the riddle? And said, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us or we'll burn down the, your father's house and you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, oh, you don't love me. You hate me. You've given, you've, you've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Samson, I haven't even given the answer to my father and mother. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then he explained the riddle to the young men. She did. What happens? She betrays him. He's already had this experience. He's already been in this position. And God's rescued him once. And what does he do? He listens to his emotions. He listens to his cravings. And he puts himself right back in the same position. Samson, what are you thinking? Right? And yet how many times? How many times have you done the same thing? How many times have you convinced yourself... But this time it's going to be different. But, but this time it's going to be absolutely... I mean, that was that time. This time it's going to be just different. Samson puts himself in the same position. And he falls in love with a woman named Delilah. And we're going to see next week how that turns out for him again. What's the bottom line? The bottom line for us today is to ask the question... So what are you listening to, people? What are you listening to? Are you listening to your emotions? Are you listening to the Spirit of God? Because every time Samson life, Samson's life did something profound and miraculous was when he was listening to the Spirit, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon, upon him. And Paul gives us that challenge in Galatians as Christ followers. He gives us the challenge in Galatians. He says, So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What are we supposed to do? Let the Holy Spirit be the one who speaks. Not our emotions, not our cravings, not our desires. Let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. He even says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Samson is just like us. He's got those forces working in our life, and too many times in Samson's life, he listens to his emotions and his cravings instead of staying in the sweet spot 
of what God would have him do and listening to the Spirit. And remember, if you're not in the sweet spot, if you're not listening to the Spirit, if you're apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Now, if we stopped there today, that would be like really depressing, wouldn't it? But here's the good news. And the good news is even for Samson, even in the middle of all of what Samson's going through, even in the middle of all of the times that he keeps putting himself back in a place of destruction, even though he keeps listening to his emotions, even though he keeps putting the spirit off, there's this amazing experience where God once again gives him a new chance. He refreshes him. He gives him a new opportunity. It happens in Judges 15 after the big event. It says, Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord. What did he do? He cried out to the Lord. What position did he just put himself in? He just got out of that position thinking life was all about him, and he reached out to somebody greater than himself. He cries out to the Lord, and look how he gets it right. He gets it right. He says, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Now must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans. But did you notice, who did he give the credit for the victory to? He got it right, did he not? For the first time, he got it right. He's living in that right place. He's saying, God, listen, you're the one that does it in my life. You're the one that can accomplish great things in my life. You're the one that has the purpose in my life. You're the one that can make my life more than what I can. You're the one that can do it. You're the one that won the victory. He puts himself in a position, and what does God respond? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. You see, if you're not living in that place right now, if you're following your own desires, your own emotions, your own cravings, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore because there is an opportunity for you to just cry out to the Lord, get yourself in that right position, and He promises He will revive you. He will revive you. He'll revive your life. He'll get you in that better place, and His Spirit will be able to come upon you and guide you in the paths of righteousness, guide you in the place where he wants you to be. But it starts where Samson started, with just understanding we have to look beyond ourselves. It's not about us. Our life is not our own. It's all about him. And when we do that, God can use us to do incredible things. You see, here's the amazing statement of this whole experience. As Samson keeps putting himself in a path of destruction, Nonetheless, it says, Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. God still kept using Samson. Even in his failures, he kept using Samson. He can use us. He can use you. And he is ready to revive your life so it could be more than you could ever make it yourself. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we ask for your grace. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask that uh, you would revive us. Because we know there's too many times in our life when we have listened to our own emotions, we've listened to our own cravings, we've listened to our own desires, we found all kinds of justifications and said, but it makes me happy and it'll be different. And you know the story. So, Lord, we come to you today and we want to put all that aside.
And we just want to be humble before you and cry out to you and say, Lord, forgive us. Set us on the right path. Revive us so that our lives can mean something, so they can advance the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we know it's when we live for you that our lives make sense. And so guide us now to make those decisions that are pleasing and good and right in your eyes. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.